minimalists. <laughs> well, hello. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the Minimalists, live in Austin, Texas. <laughs> You know, Ryan, this this is the first time I've been in Austin when South by Southwest wasn't going on. Oh, isn't it awesome? <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing city. Thank yes. you all for being here tonight. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, so um, during the talk that you were, you were giving earlier, you talked about how we, we started TheMinimalists.com about, about seven years ago. And uh, this December, actually next month, so we're recording this in, in November, and um, next month will be seven years. And, and a few months after that, I, uh, had, I had been working on it anyway. I walked away from my corporate career. And uh, the first thing I did when I walked away was March, March 1st, 2011. I, um, I just got in my car and drove down to Austin, Texas. Um, because South by Southwest was going on. Now, I, I, I didn't have any money for a ticket for South by, and I didn't really have anywhere to stay, so I did Airbnb, but it was legitimate Airbnb. Like, it was an air mattress on someone's floor, um, <laughs> like, like 40 minutes outside of town, and I think it was $15 a night, and I'm like, I, can, I think I can do this. And... Um, when I came down here, I didn't really have a plan. I just showed up. And I had just written this thing about uh, why I had walked away from this su- supposedly successful six-figure career. It's, it's still on our, our blog today. And, uh, and from that, I didn't really know what to do or, or where I was going. And I just came down here and started interacting with people. And I met some, some amazing people at South By, and I met some amazing local people as well. If I would just look at Twitter, and if there was a meetup going on somewhere, even if it was private, I would just sort of show up. <laughs> Which is really difficult for me because I am an extreme introvert, and I knew that like, I had to like, do something. I wanted to change sort of my state, and I knew I wanted to do something different with my life. My initial plan at the time was to just be a barista and write fiction full time. And then shortly after that, this whole minimalist thing later that year really took off. It's like in in the fall of 2011, uh, people started really showing up more and more to the website and then eventually wrote our first book. But one of the the people that I met here is is a Austin transplant. And I'm struggling to figure out how to describe this person. When people ask me uh, what he does, which is usually a terrible question, but um, I'll say he's... He's really, he really understands relationships well. And so we're here to answer some questions for you all tonight, but especially if you have relationship questions, and that can be friendship, it can be relationship within a family, like parent-child relationship, interactions with, uh, with loved ones, but it can also be spousal relationships, intimate relationships. Um, I met him, and uh, he, he defied description for me, but I also liked him because he was from Ohio. I think that's why, why we clicked. And uh, I met him and his partner, Kate, and uh, I would like to welcome out to the stage right now, uh, Austin's very own Crew Spence. Yeah. You might need to switch that on. Howdy, y'all. So, Crew, I, I really do, it's always difficult for me because uh, to describe you as, as a person. You run a website called SpartanPlan.com, and, and uh, you are, uh, in the loosest sense of the word, a YouTuber as well because you post a lot of videos on YouTube. And it's really intimidating to me because he, he speaks really well, and I'm just sort of like maundering constantly. And um, what, what was the impetus of, of starting that website? And, and doing what you do now? Sure. Uh, are we going way back? Let's go way back. Way back. This is going to sound like a copycat story, like because I am the tattooed, bald uh, Joshua Fields Milburn. Uh, so I... I you have uh, a bit more melanin than me. I have a little bit more melanin as well, yeah. I'm brown. Uh, so I, uh, I was also in a, in a situation about 10 years ago 
where my stepmother was, uh, was dying from cancer. And a few days after her funeral, um, my wife at the time uh, asked for a divorce. And the... Well, that was nice that she waited. Right, right. <laughs> Kudos to her. She's such a nice person. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time it was a very painful thing, but I think that was sort of the impetus. That was the thing that started everything because we were supposed to go to couples counseling and uh, she decided not to show. So it turned into me counseling. And uh, I, I asked the, the therapist, I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm very depressed right now, obviously, but I don't think it's a, a clinical depression. I think it's pretty obvious why I'm feeling down. I wonder, is there anything I could do, something natural, that would help me to feel better? And uh, backstory, I, this is going to make me sound weird. I used to be a pro wrestler. And you used to weigh about twice as much as you weigh now from the yes, photos. Yes, I was a lot bigger. There were a lot of uh, supplementation going on. Yeah. So uh, the therapist says, well, you can exercise and eat right. Okay, and that's literally my job. And she said, when you're ready, go on a date with someone. Nothing hot and heavy, just get to know someone else. See that other people want to be a part of your life. And I was like, oh, well, this is one of two relationships I've ever had. And both of those relationships, my partner was the one who initiated. So I, I pressed further to the therapist. I said, how do I do that? <laughs> and this is where it starts. She says, just be confident. I was like, oh, yeah. So I used to play basketball. And like the worst thing someone would say is don't choke. <laughs> and that seems like the, the uh, uh, relationship equivalent of, yeah, just be confident. Like, I, you're about to shoot a free throw, and it's like, don't choke, don't choke. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. So, I, uh, I, being in athletics all my life, I had had coaches who, when I said, how do I do that thing, they would give me instructions. They'd say, this is how it's done, and if I practiced hard enough... I could do the thing. So I just knew that this therapist must be a bad coach, but unfortunately I couldn't find anyone to do it for me. So I, I did what any aspiring relationship coach would do. I went to singles bars with a pad of paper and a pen, <laughs> and I started taking notes on what people were doing. I, well, I didn't know, right? So then people would come up to me and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> So I learned, first rule, don't bring a pad and pen uh, to the bar. But uh, over the years, I, I would just kind of throw myself out there, trial and error, uh, read psychology books, work with friends, and before long I had come up with sort of a framework on, on what I was deducing from people who were in successful relationships. I would ask them, like, what, what happened? How did you meet? And uh, I sort of decoded it to the point where I could consistently help other people initially with romantic relationships, but now it's been with platonic relationships and I also do career coaching, which is really just getting married to a company or at least dating a company for a little while. Yeah, that's actually what I love about what, or how you live your life right now is you do have your, your corporate gig, but then you also have this side hustle that you're doing. And I guess maybe um, if you could speak to that, to that a little bit, because I know that there's definitely someone here who's like in this corporate job and they're like, man, I just want to like quit my job and start a blog, which don't do that. <laughs> it's the worst ad advice anyone could give you ever. Um, so I guess talk about how you manage both and how you're able to kind of uh, give the right amount of time to each thing or how you're able to manage that time. Sure. Well, I'm, my wife will tell you I'm very, very type A. Uh, so I, I have like charts and flow charts, workflows that I follow, but um, fortunately for me, my, my job that I do during the day involves the coaching as well. But what I would say, if you are currently in a job where you're thinking to yourself, man, I, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, uh, of course, try to find something that is, but in the meantime, there's likely something that you can learn from where you're at right now. Even if, even if you're on your way out, what, 
what can you take away from this? Maybe, maybe you're learning what you don't want in your, next, in your next place of employment or in your company, the way you won't, uh, the way you're not going to manage your team, you're gonna do it differently. Uh, but then as far as how I manage my time, I, I try to make things as simple as I possibly can. And that's sort of the basis of the idea of Spartan plan, is that it's simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. I still have to be dedicated to doing a thing consistently. Um, you know, a marathon is simple, it's just one foot in front of the other, but it's not necessarily easy. Uh, so for me, the videos, uh, I do those on my lunch break on my laptop because I don't need a whole hour to eat. I eat pretty quickly. Uh, so then after that, and just talk to people for a few minutes and upload. It's not a fancy video, so if you're, if you're looking for like world-class videography, it's, it's not that. But it's, it's making that, that simple commitment, and maybe down the line I can build that into something else, but the consistency I think is what is most important. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, when I think about when Josh and I started The Minimalists, that was our exact approach with it. It wasn't hey, minimalism, great, I'll do a packing party and then we'll quit our jobs and start a blog. Um, it, was, it was very slow and deliberate. In fact, you know, it was a year before Josh and I even put anything on our, any products, or when I say products, I mean a book we came out with. Um, it, it, that came out a year after we uh, had the website. But it was all those little focused action steps along the way that got us to that point. And then again, little focus action steps, it got us to year number two. And seven years later, well, thanks for showing up, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> and we are here for you tonight. So there's a microphone over here. If you have some questions, we'd love to answer them. We, we brought a bunch of answers, and hopefully crew has the rest. Now, I know there's, there's three people here, so this is going to be a really short Q&A session. Yeah, we have time for at least five, so at, at least, least five. Two, two more of you come up here. All right, perfect. Howdy. I was going to say, I know someone's going to be like, I want to answer, I'll, I'll just ask them a question in line. We don't Open answer question in line, so this is the time to do it, just a heads up. What's your name? Uh, my name is, is this thing on? Oh, yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> my name is Whitney Jory. I Whitney? am the Austin community leader oh, here. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much so for what you That's why did. I want to stand here and advance. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, so for those of you who don't know what the hell she's talking about, um, in 2014 we went on this crazy 100 city tour and each city we left behind a free local meetup group. We don't want anything from you. It doesn't cost any money. We don't need your email address or anything like that. Uh, it's just minimalist.org and you can click on whatever city you're in. We're in Austin right now, but if you're listening to this at home, you can click on your city and you can find free local meetup groups. They tend to meet once a month and you can talk about anything. Relationships, career, simplifying, decluttering, health, creativity, contribution, charity, whatever you want to talk about. You just sort of show up and it's not necessarily like-minded people, but it tends to be open-minded people who are willing to support each other. Yeah, thanks so much. What I mean, honestly, like, yes, we facilitate it, but if it wasn't for you, uh, th that group would not exist in Austin. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> and I wrote it down. Um, so this one's a little personal for me, so sorry if I get choked up a little bit. Um, I have several chronic illnesses. Um, some of them include severe chronic pain, cervical dystonia, stenosis in my neck, and others. Many have gotten worse with time and are incurable, though I would like to believe anything is possible. I'm working towards finding a way to make my dream of working part-time true. <laughs> I started one company which failed, which I'm proud of. Actually, I've started another um, with a business partner. We're professional organizers, or as I lovingly call it, I decrapify. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Uh, until business picks up, I'm often on, on a limited income because I spend my money on my neck fund. Um, so financial stress. Uh, due, to, uh, due to my health causes me major amounts of anxiety and uh, major amounts of stress on my relationship with my fiance, who's here tonight, and totally supports the group, the Austin group. 
Um, if it weren't for him, I probably wouldn't get to the meetups because he drives me most of the time. Um, I've never been in, in a position to work full time. I never had a chance to start a career after college. I still mourn that loss. How do I save for retirement, grow my emergency savings, save for the future, and for travel? P.S. I'll be free of student loan debt in February, and I'm currently, I currently have no credit card or other type of debt, and I have an emergency savings. Wow. That's... Congratulations. So, so you, have, you have some definite things to be proud of, and I'm trying to think if I should give you my back pain story or my ingrown hair story. Both. 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 No, they're, they're separate stories. Oh. Uh, well, 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 so last year, uh, January 2016 was the most painful uh, month of my life for sure. It was sort of the apex of, of literal pain, uh, like physical pain. So um, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, someone tackled me while we were playing ice basketball. Um, it wasn't me. See, in Ohio, we have something called ice. And um, it's slippery. And, and uh, I, I broke my L5, S1, it's fused together. And, um, and, and it started really acting up about two years ago. And, and uh, January 2016, it was sort of the, the apex of this. Like I'd wake up in the morning with 10 out of 10 pain. Panic level, oh my God, how am I, how am I going to get through this next second kind of pain? So I, I understand where you're at. It, it doesn't allow you to think about anything else. All the other questions you're asking, it's one, once the pain has subsided a little bit, you're, you're able to start pondering these questions. Um, and, and so what I will say is it has taken me the last two years of, of every single day focusing on that. In fact, there was a, a point that summer um, where I was two weeks away from back surgery. And um, I mean, I was just desperate to get rid of this pain, right? And, and uh, then I discovered something, I don't know if this would, would be applicable for you, but a lot of people have asked, so for the people at, at home, uh, I'll eventually do an episode about all of my, my health ailments um, and how I've been working to fix them. But um, Agoscue therapy has, has been something that's totally changed my life in terms of um, pain and pain management. But here's the thing I'll say about pain. I think some pain is good. And, and uh, there's a, a tolerable level of pain. It actually tells me that something is wrong with my body, right? There's something going on. And I've had quite a few surgeons who, of course, you go to a surgeon and you ask them what you should do, they're gonna say you should have surgery. And, and you know, this is, and, and by the way, after surgery, you're gonna need another one five years from now. The question isn't uh, uh, if you need surgery, the question is, is when do you need surgery? And so I decided, well, maybe there's a different way. Let me try something else first. And, and so I did, I tried a bunch of things. I, tr I tried Qigong and I tried yoga and, and those things can be very helpful. But the thing that worked most for me was something called Agoscue therapy. A guy named Pete Agoscue wrote a book called Pain Free. And I'm not pain-free, but uh, compared to where I was, it's leaps and bounds different. Now, your question after that was, hey, I've got all this pain, but then also, how do I do these 17 other things? And, and here's what I'll say is you don't. If Ryan and I, seven years ago, when we started The Minimalist, said, if I would have said, hey, Ryan, let's start this, uh, when he came to me, so let's start a blog, I would have said, hey, that actually didn't even say blog. We didn't know what the hell a blog was. Um, and we just started a website. <laughs> yeah. Blogs are like, you know, where 80-year-old grandmothers catalog pictures of their grandkids and cats. <laughs> we had a website. That's right. <laughs> it was dignified. Um, and, and you know what? If you would have came to me, I said, yeah, but let's also write three books and let's produce a documentary. Let's get on social media. Let's be on YouTube and let's get on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus, uh, you, whatever the kids are doing these days. Uh, if we would have said that, and if I, then if I, I would have said, and let's start a podcast, he would have said, what the hell's a podcast? And, and if I would have said all that at once, it would have been overwhelming. I think we probably wouldn't even have done the website because it would have seemed so overwhelming. And so for me, it was about finding the one thing that I want to focus on. And even now, we focus on one thing a year. So that first year, we was just like, hey, let's start this website and let's write... We didn't know they were called blog posts. They were essays, and so they're still essays to this day. And um, we, we wrote essays on this website. And after a year, a lot of people started asking, like, hey, when are you going to write a book about some of this stuff? And so we wrote a book. That was the next thing. And then we went out with that book and talked to crowds. The first time we came to Alston, I think there were maybe six people here. 
And uh, then we just kept at it. It was, you know, some of the best experiences I had. And, and then after that, you know, each thing fed into something else. It was like building a house. You have to start with the foundation. Otherwise, you don't have anything to build on. So the question I'm going to encourage you to ask yourself is, what is your foundation? And I think if you figure that out and you're honest with yourself, you will, you'll find something to build on. Yeah, I, I first want to say thank you to wherever your fiance is out there. Thanks a lot I for being a supportive partner. With me, oh, Ryan, I, I mean to interrupt real quick. Um, I forgot to tell people we're actually switching up the format a little bit. We do a lightning round usually, and where we tie up everything with like this pithy little 140 character response we call minimal maxims. Uh, we're going to try to give everyone a minimal maximum. We're kind of combining our, our light lightning round with regular questions today. So. Maybe crew will have something pithy, uh, and we'll compete. <laughs> um, I, no, the reason why I want to thank you is because, like that right there, so many people in the world do not have a supportive partner, and I used to be one of those people. Um, I, I cannot tell you how many failed relationships I was in, and in hindsight, looking back, it was like, wow, like we were not supportive towards one another. I mean, it was you know, it wasn't just my partner; it was both of us. So uh, that right there, like that is, that's huge. So congratulations on, on having that, that step up. The other thing that you have to step up on is you're gonna be debt free in February? Yeah. Shit, that is awesome. That is unbelievable. I have to pay like $200 in taxes and that's it. That is, that is unbelievable. So um, I would say you, you are already um, starting to build a very, you already have this, the beginnings of a very strong foundation. Um, you know, when, when it comes to the retirement piece, that's what, that's what I really heard you, um, that's what's, what, I, what I should say, that's what stood out the most to me uh, when I heard you asking that question because that's a huge deal, especially when you're trying to work a part-time job. So, um, what I'll, if I may ask, you don't have to answer this, but if you do want to answer, that'd be great. It's fine. What do you pay a month on your student loans? It's, um, I used to pay more, but it's just, it's a program through, because I'm considered disabled. Right. How much are you paying a month on your student loans? You don't, again, you don't uh, have to answer. None. Do you want to? Oh, none. I'm oh, not, I see what you're saying. I'm not, uh, so how much? I used to. Okay. Contribute, like. Over the max amount, or over the amount that I was supposed to yeah. on my income, but now I'm under a program where I don't have. I found this program like a few years ago, and I don't that's have great. To. So you, but you, I also can't make over a certain amount. Like if I make over a certain amount, then I'm then it goes away. Okay, yeah, it's like a five-year monitoring period. I see what you're saying. The, uh, yeah. the reason why I was asking that 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 specific question is because if you're if you are used to already paying towards something. Yeah. That is going to be, that is going to be gone in February. What I used to do is when I paid something off, I was like, "Great, what other debt payment can I afford now?" <laughs> Instead of really thinking about like how can I take advantage of getting rid of this debt. So I think you know if you can start putting away anything now. I mean, you are really young, and if you, if you save, if it's a hundred bucks a month for the next 30 years, you're going to have, you are going to have a retirement. What I'm really trying to encourage you to do is, don't look 30 years from now, look at what you can do this month, but all, or in February, start in February, when you can start making more money and, and you're done with the program and you're finally debt free, you know, whatever you can put towards your retirement, even if it's 20 bucks a month. Um, what's the stat, Josh? Uh, if you put away 20 bucks a month, starting at- $23 a week. Um, and anyone here who puts away $23 a week, starting when, when, you're, when you're 18, becomes a millionaire. Um, and uh, so everyone has, in, in their lifetime, in, in the United States, the ability to, to become a, a millionaire. Now, obviously, I didn't start doing that because I was irresponsible when I was 18. And so I have had to make up the delta. And I'm certainly not a millionaire yet, but I hope to retire one, one, as one one day. Uh, because I'm not allergic to money, and and um, although I'll tell you, if, if you want, you know, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've seen our retirement plan. For the for those of you who are are listening at home, you can see my retirement accounts down to the penny over at theminimalists.com/retirement, and it kind of goes through some of those stats. And and also, I try to debunk some of the 
the crazy myths about you're too young to save or you're too old to save or you don't make enough money to save or whatever excuses that we come up with that prevent us from doing what we want to do. Yeah, and there's a, a great book um, it's by a guy named Dave Ramsey. It's called Total Money Makeover. And it's a... Yeah. So you can tell. It, all, it works for a lot of people. Have you heard of this? Yep. Oh, cool. I, I would get it if I was you. Because right now, like, step number one is become debt-free. You're there. Like, I'm you really are. good at reading the books about stuff. Yeah. Well, like, like Cruz said, it's not... It's, it, it's simple. It's not easy. So, yeah, it is hard to follow through on those steps. Absolutely. But it is a simple recipe. Yeah, definitely hard to enact or to act. Crew, how do you go from reading the books to actually taking some action here? Yeah, so um, I'm going to try to do the pithy thing first, but then can I elaborate on it? Is that fair for the first that one? That works, yeah. Okay, That's beautiful. Cool. So the, the three things that I would, would say as far as making, well, let's say four. The first is to um, take action. So like you have to get started right away. You could get started uh, on the internet, like at home when this is over. But you want to uh, make sure that where you're putting your money uh, has interest, it's interest bearing. You want to make sure that you are looking at optimizing for taxes. And this is the most important part. And this is sort of the foundation of the advice that I give people. Don't work against you know, your human nature, They're, your brain is wired to work a certain way. And while you could try to overcome that, instead just think of how it already works and go along with that. So automate would be the last part. That, I didn't even do the pithy part. Automate, <laughs> automate it so that you don't even see the money. People say like, oh, pay yourself first. And oftentimes people think, oh, that means I get my check and I know that 10% of that or 15 or 20 goes to this investment account. But we all know we don't do that. We go, ah, oh, but you know, my, my stove is, is on the fritz or that new TV's on sale, it's Black Friday. If you automate it, you never see it. So I have a, a specific percentage of my money that just automatically goes uh, into first a savings account uh, where I can have some liquid funds, but then each month from that account, money automatically goes into my interest-bearing accounts, which are optimized for taxes so that I never see them. And I often, as a result, feel really poor when I look at the account I am allowed to spend money in. I'm like, oh my gosh, where's all my money? But then I remember that I've hidden it from myself because I'm working with my, my, uh, my psychology. So, so wait, if I, could wrap that, if I could wrap that up into something pithy is uh, uh, don't, your future, don't let your future self trust yourself today. <laughs> That's good, man. Nice. Um, I, I will say, uh, just to, re, uh, to reiterate what Josh said, I think is so important, is, is do find your one. So if I had something pithy to say, I would say find the one thing that you want to work on, and when you're done with that, find the next one. Oh. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Howdy. Hi, Whitney. I know you came here to hear my answer. Uh, there's a podcast called Choose F-I. F like financial, I like independence. Amazing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Helping out. I'll be here all night. <laughs> um, hey, guys. I'm Lee. I live in South Austin. Um, I saw you guys on the Today Show the day after Christmas years ago, and I read Everything That Remains. Changed my whole life. Oh, that's awesome. Thank good you. news, because I was a mess, but I'm good now. Um, <laughs> before I ask my question, I wanted to tell you guys that I got married this morning. Yeah! Congratulations. Congrats. Congrats. Is this um, their honeymoon? And, and so what that means is that my husband came here with me on his wedding night. I was going to say, like, is this... That is awesome. Is this your honeymoon? Like, <laughs> uh, No, but it's our wedding night and we're here. Um, so if you guys wouldn't mind and you guys on the stage, if I count to three, can we all say thank you, Jonathan? One, two, three. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan. Nailed it. Um, so I had a question prepared, but when you guys said that crew is the relationship expert and I literally got married today, uh, I would be a dummy to not ask a marriage question. So uh, my question is, what is your uh, minimalist marriage advice? All right. So I normally use a Venn diagram with this. Remember, I'm type A. <laughs> 
I'm going to try to help you visualize it with my words, though. There are four components in any relationship, romantic, platonic, business, that are always there in some capacity, and we're always trying to balance those. And the components are comfort, tension, investment from the other party, and investment from you. Now we need to, in order to feel like we value a relationship, we have to invest a certain amount. Imagine if um, we have person A and person B. Person A, you've known for 10 years through thick and thin, your very best friend. Person B, you've known him 10 seconds. Now they both do something that makes you incredibly angry. How are you likely to react differently with your best friend of 10 years versus person B, the person you know for 10 seconds? You can answer. Uh, I'm more likely to tolerate person A. Right, and what would you do as a result of what they said? Imagine they've made you irate. Uh, react. Yeah, but like, what would the reaction be? Best friend, 10 years, known him for 10 seconds, they seem I. Uh, best friend, tolerate, I, see you later. Peace, right? <laughs> The reason for that is because you've invested so much that human beings, we have this aversion to loss. So the more you've invested in that, the less likely you are to be willing to, to put up with losing it. But with this person that you've known for 10 seconds, there's really no investment, so there's no loss and a potential pain down the line. So it's easier to cut your ties there. So that's the investment part. We need to both invest. If the other person isn't investing, then they will feel less and less value. Now, how do you do that? The first part is comfort. This is where we get to know each other on the first date, and we're like, oh, you like watching silent movies on Netflix? So do I. I don't know. This is Austin, right? We have, we have hipsters here, right? Um, you find out these things you have in common, your background, and that encourages investment. Now, the, the tension part, it's funny because it's the thing most of us think we need to avoid. Now, I'm not saying to like manufacture tension because good news, it's going to happen already. <laughs> but the more we invest, and this goes back to that example with person A and person B, the more we invest, when that tension arises, we are more likely to continue to invest. When you said tolerate with your friend, by tolerating, I imagine at some point you would talk with them. You'd have to fix it, right? That talking, that fixing, that is investment. And so remember, we said that when we invest, we see more and more value. So when the tension arises, your next thought needs to be investment. What can I do to fix this? And believe it or not, that tension is actually what makes the relationship stronger through time. Think of, if for those of you who have been in long-term relationships, I've been with my wife now for about six and a half years, I think of the hard times, and now it's almost like the fond thing. I go, man, we got through that. We're incredible. So that, I would say invest, once you, because the hard times are gonna come. I'm gonna try to give you something pithy. Um, you can always be in love, but you can't always be right. Which is a problem for me because I'm right all the time. <laughs> and and um, it's so exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so occasionally, uh, here's the thing. Uh, maybe here's another pithy thing. Um, you cannot like every, you cannot like every piece of a person, but love them and uh, th love the entire person. And, and there are some things that will, will drive you crazy about the relationship. Hopefully, you've, you've married someone where that's been mitigated, right? But there'll still be things, especially if you're as OCD as I am. Um, and, and I think part of that has to do with going beyond the tolerance thing. Like, that's a great first step with, with, with tolerating, uh, and especially with tension. You have to tolerate that. But, but eventually, getting to a point where you can respect and even appreciate the person for their flaws and appreciate them with their flaws, not in spite of, but because that's who they are as a, per as a person. Yeah. So yeah, Josh and I talk about that Tara acronym a lot. Um, it, you know, like, like you said, when you first meet someone, 
you've known him for 10 seconds that the T is, is tolerate. Like you are at this level where like, I don't know you, you don't know me. We're just standing in line at Chipotle <laughs> and I'm getting delicious. No, I won't tell you what I order. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, it's like you tolerate the person ordering in front of you, even if they're like, oh yeah, I'll take my, no, no, let me get immediate. Oh no, no, hold on. Let me get on my phone and see. I mean, it's like, yeah, you, you, you get this tolerance. Um, you know, let's say you meet someone at work for the first time, you, you tolerate them, uh, and, and then you, you get to a point where you accept who they are. Like, you got to work with them every day, uh, you accept them, but then maybe you get to a level where you're like, wow, this, this person's really cool. Uh, we can, uh, we can, we can really get along and like you, you actually start to respect this person. And then ultimately you, you do get to that point where you do appreciate them. So I think if I was to give you a pithy answer, I would say the best way to show your partner love is to show them appreciation. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Congrats. Howdy. Hi. My name is Cindy. I did not get married today. <laughs> but I did drive from San Antonio in rush hour traffic. Oh, wow. Uh, so I have been a longtime follower. I originally heard you guys on NPR. And, um, you know, watched the documentary and we brought it to our local theater and were able to see it before it was, you know, public to everybody. Um, and I like, I look forward every week to your podcast because you keep me grounded. Um, I was kind of sad when you took a little hiatus for a while. Um, so I listen to you to stay grounded so I don't, you know, start dreaming about the, all these things I want. <laughs> the bigger house and the bigger mortgage. Not that I want that, but um, my question is what keeps you guys grounded? What motivates you or is there anybody that you listen to or follow to keep you on this path or does it just come naturally? I'm just a naturally grounded person. Next question. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, the... the the honest answer is the thing that keeps me most grounded are, are, are my values. And, and I don't even know that I would use the word grounded. I, I, I would just say that, that um, congruent is maybe the word that, that I would use. I, I want my, my daily actions to be in line with the person I want to become. You know, I'm 36 years old now. I really aspire to be my 40-year-old self, meaning the best version of myself when I turn 40. And I'll still be imperfect, but because then I'll be aspiring to be my 45-year-old self. And, and in order to do that, I have to be really clear on what my values are. And if, if, I'm, if I'm feeling discontented, if I'm feeling out of alignment, if I'm feeling incongruent, then I realize that, you know what, there's something going on here. Maybe I'm forsaking part of my values. And I'll tell you, this has actually happened to me recently. Um, I, I think the worst four-letter word in the English language is busy. Yeah, that's someone just said, ugh. And uh, that's, that's exactly the emotion that I feel when I hear the word busy. And in fact, when we'll be out on the road, people say, you guys are really busy. I'll say, no, I'm not busy. I'm focused. And, and uh, I like to differentiate the two. Like Ryan and I, we actually don't do a whole lot of things, but the things we do, we do well. So we get a lot of meaningful things done. And um, sometimes, however, this month in particular, so it's November 2017, uh, everything sort of culminated this month. There were projects that got pushed up, projects that got pushed back. And all of a sudden, this is the first time in seven years where I feel busy. We have like 10 tour stops this month, which would be fine if that was the only thing we're working on. But then we have these other things that have, have crept in. And, and what happens is I realize that I say, I need to say yes to the most important things. And in order to do that, I have to say no to virtually everything else. 99% of the things that, that come our way you have to say no so you can say yes to that, is, that which is most important. And for me, those are, those are my values. I guess but what I'm saying is that I listen to you and it, it brings me back. Like, oh yeah, that's what's important. Is there something that, like when you get out of groove that you, you go back and like that helps you get back to there? I think I have something for you. <laughs> So I, I do something really cheesy, and uh, at my day job, I mentioned I'm a career coach, it's for a school, so I teach this to all of my students. I call it the daily reprogramming. And you have to do it when you're feeling like super, super motivated, just the first time. And what you do is you write um, a letter 
to yourself, but remember, we're writing this while we're feeling on top of the world, but the letter you're writing is to you when you're like, ugh, right? Now, the next thing you do after you write the letter is you record yourself reading it on your phone. Well, if you have a phone, I don't know. We're the minimalists thing. I'm assuming you have a phone. Now we ask them all to get rid of them. <laughs> Just send them to P.O. Box 4403. <laughs> so you record yourself doing this on your phone. And this is something I do, and it gets weird sometimes, but you record yourself saying this, and you set alarms throughout your day. Now, the thing you're recording, you should talk about, here, here are the things that motivate me. Here are the things I need to watch out for. Maybe some bad habits I have. Uh, some things I'm working on. And that daily reprogramming helps ensure that regardless of whatever state you're in, right? Because we go on autopilot. That's what human beings do. What I try to help my clients do is to recalibrate their autopilot so that it steers them towards success. That sounded cheesy. That did but, sound really cheesy. But, it, but if you do that, not only does it help me stay motivated, like I, this sounds ridiculous, but I'm motivated every single day, but it's not because I'm superhuman, but I'm like always like this. It's annoying for my poor wife, but it's because of this daily reprogramming. It charges me up, and the funniest part is, and I said it gets weird, is if I'm in public and I don't know the alarm is about to go off because it's really loud. It starts off with, you are Crew Spence and you might die today. <laughs> and you'd be amazed at the conversations I have with people after that. But you know what? I end up telling them what the daily reprogramming is and they say, huh, I'm, I'm gonna start doing that. So that's how I stay grounded. So what I would say is you listen to them and I would say you should also listen to you. Woo, that is pithy. Uh, I mean, if you want to know like direct influences, I'm, I was trying to think like Leo Babauta is a huge influence for me. Um, uh, uh, Rob Bell, huge influence for me. Um, I love like Joe Rogan's uh, podcast. Just he has such a nice, yeah, yeah a nice. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just a lot of different types of guests. It's not. It's never the same podcast. And sometimes he has guests on there and I'm like, oh wow, like never thought of something that way. And then other times I'm like, yeah, this person's full of crap, but you know, whatever. It's like, I take it as it comes. Um, but you know, I think what helps me the most, uh, it's the people I surround myself with. So, you know, I don't go out and try to find people who are, you know, just uh, they're just going to be in my life and they're going to be like, yeah, you're Ryan, the minimalist guy. And I love you because you're awesome. And you go around and you do speaking gigs and you're touring in Australia next year. And you know, like I go out and I really seek out people who are going to help me be a better person. And likewise, like people who I can also help. Uh, and that might be, you know, helping, uh, someone get a job or it might be helping them move their couch, like whatever it is. Like I will try to add as much value, uh, back. But, you know, the people in my life, uh, I like to think that, it, like, everyone from, you know, Josh, my best friend of, how many years now? 23, 24? I, I, lost, I lost track. 26. <laughs> 26 years. Uh, my partner, Mariah, who I've been with uh, for four years now, um, to crew here. Like, every single person that I invest a lot of time with and I really try to, to make my primary relationship, like, I look up to them in some way. So I think like that's probably the, the biggest um, the biggest thing that keeps me grounded is the people I hang out with. We've all heard you are the five people you hang out with, you know, followed by your role models. So that's I take that that formula very seriously and apply that to my life. Hi, I'm Christy. Um, I'll Christy. Try to, Christy. Yeah, I'll try to summarize quickly so we can get to everybody, but. Um, so I have a friend who lives in South Austin and is my next door neighbor and she started a book club and the first book we read was by you guys. And then Which we read, one? Um, the Living a Meaningful Life. Minimalism of a Meaningful Life. Minimal, okay. Exactly. Cool. Um, and then we read, her name is Lisa Linus, she got married today. <laughs> ah. um, so, 
She, um, she really, she's amazing, guys, and she really is your biggest fan. But um, so then we read a book on stoicism. We read the Total Money Makeover. We read, we've read all of these books to really try to help us develop a framework for value systems. So while I love what you had to say about, um, you know, looking internally and finding value there, and then surrounding yourself with people that add meaning to your life, I'm also just curious, like. How do you find an ethical framework, or how can you find ethical frameworks to help you that are external and that are meaningful and healthy and not necessarily just, for example, what do you do with somebody who has maybe an unhealthy framework or an unhealthy internal model? Um, yeah, so, so we all have values. We all value something. Uh, values aren't inherently good or bad. You know, Hitler had values. Right. And, and uh, his values certainly didn't align with mine, right? And, and so what, what I found is that, that I tend to surround myself and, and seek out people with similar values, but often different belief structures, different personalities. And, and in doing that, it's, I'm finding, really, instead of saying framework, the, the metaphor I'll use is recipes. I will seek out different recipes, not in hopes that I can mimic their recipe. You know, because if there's one recipe, it's like, well, here's how you make a tuna casserole, and I can make the same exact tuna casserole. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'll try to figure out, like, what's a few ingredients I can tweeze out and create my own recipe for a more meaningful life, right? And so that's why I, I have people with radically different beliefs. You know, Ryan mentioned Rob Bell, who, who's a friend of ours now, and he's on our podcast not that long ago. And he has a particular framework that is different from Sam Harris, who was in our documentary. I mean, they're radically different human beings, but I'll tell you, they have the same values. And what I find is that I may not agree with them on everything. In fact, it'd be silly if I did. And in fact, it'd be impossible for me to agree with them on everything because they're two different people. But I'll say, oh yeah, I really like that. And oh, that really strengthens my point here. Or, oh man, Sam really made me think differently about this thing. And wow, you actually changed my mind on this. And so being open to having that change really ha has to do with finding a bunch of different recipes that help make my recipe better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would just echo the same thing. Um, find really good role models, like people who you want to emulate. Like, I mean, even Josh here, he somehow is always on time. I have no idea how he does it. <laughs> if Josh is late, something's wrong. And uh, yeah, like I talked to Josh, like, tell me some of the tricks. How do you do this on time thing? And it's helped a little bit. Pit the answer, not clocks. Per yeah, <laughs> not perfect at it. But no, no, you know, what, what I'm really trying to say is, is like, e even with, uh, you know, Josh, like, um, who I've known for so many years, like, there's still something there where he helps me build, like, my framework, uh, not just for, you know, uh, like, my day-to-day -day routine, but, like, the, just my thoughts on how I perceive life and how uh, I look at just different, whether it's um, ideologies or whether it's uh, current events. Um, it, he is someone who I really respect. And there's a lot of other people whose opinions I respect. So, I mean, you know, if you're starting from, with nothing right now, um, if it, with your friend, I would, you know, find someone that you think she can connect with that, or he, that has, uh, I think you said she, but uh, your neighbor, right? This is your, this question was for? No, it was really just to, I, I was just trying to think about ways that we could, okay. do, like what we could do next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if there's someone who's starting with nothing, it's find someone that you think they're going to connect with and, and say, Hey, like, here's a pot. Like Josh does this all the time. Hey, there's this guy with an on time podcast. You should listen to He's never done that before, <laughs> but no, he, he, he will totally throw a new podcast at me. Someone I've never heard of. Hey, here, here we were just talking about this topic the other day. You might appreciate this perspective have a listen. Um, so, you know, doing things like that where you're adding value to the relationship but also trying to present them with a different perspective on life and how they should live with theirs, I mean, th there's, that's, that's a great way to, uh, to at least try and help. But at the end of the day, here's my pithy answer, is no one loves change. People hate being changed even more. Thank you. Howdy. 
What's up, y'all? Uh, I'm Purnell. Nice to meet you. Howdy. I'm Purnell. Nice yeah. to meet you. So uh, I had a question. So I feel like I'm great at collecting friends uh, so much that I feel like I can't be there for everyone. So my question is, like, uh, how can I be more meaningful and intentional with the people that matter to me most? Um, basically, how can I declutter the relationships in my life without sacrificing the other connections that still mean a lot to me, but yeah. Josh, what do you do with all your friends? <laughs> all three of them. They're both on the stage with me right now. <laughs> um, no, I, I have, uh, I won't say the exact opposite problem. It, it's actually, I, I, I have a very curated list of friends. It's not a list, but it's, it's a group of people who are really close to me. But the problem for most of my life is I spent 90% of my time with people who are on the periphery. And that's what it sounds like where you are right now. You're like, I'm really good at collecting friends. And for me, it was, I use that word loosely friends. I was coworkers and networking buddies and executives I was trying to get in with and, and, and just people around me who were sort of loose ties and I was good at making this network. In fact, that, that terrible verb, networking, um, and uh, I, was, I was good at, at networking and I had surrounded myself with a lot of people who were very loose ties at the expense of the people closest to me. And I think that's what, that's what we want to avoid. What are your thoughts, crew? Yeah, just real quick, uh, a few actions that you can maybe start implementing right away that would help you get to where they're talking about. One, when you're with someone, this one we've all heard, don't, don't even put your phone on the table face down. Your phone isn't involved. Your phone can be turned off. Uh, another thing, and this sort of adds on to that phone thing, since technology allows us to be somewhere else virtually all the time, uh, you need to, to sort of rewind, go back in time. I, we're from like the last generation that didn't grow up with cell phones. And when we um, agreed to meet with someone, like we had to meet them. Like it wasn't like we could go, I'm gonna flake and just text them. We had to show up. And, and I, not that long ago, I, I realized that I had been losing touch with one of my closest friends. And uh, I was out having coffee with him and I was like, hey man, it's been like a couple months since we've hung out and we're like supposed to be best friends. He's like, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna make a commitment to you right now. If you can, great, but if, if you can't, that's fine. But I wanna shake your hand and say, I am gonna hang out with you at least once every week. We're gonna have a meal or, or we're gonna have a cup of coffee together. But I wanna see you in person, see how you're doing. And by the very nature of that, it means I can't do it with everybody, but that's reality. You can't have a super close relationship with 100 people. You can have acquaintances and be very friendly, uh, but those few people that you sort of curate, to, to uh, Joshua's point, you have to make a commitment to them, just the same way you would with like a romantic partner, that I'm committed to being here for you. Yeah, I'll answer uh, with a pithy answer because I know they're gonna kick us out of here eventually. Um, if you're watering your time down with, uh, with other people, then you're just watering down your relationships. Don't water down your relationships. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Um, I am a current student getting married in five months. Woo! Congrats. Congrats. My fiance is here too. Um, the question I have is, we watched y'all's documentary last year, and um, before we move in together, we want to kind of free ourselves from our individual stuffs before we combine all of our stuff together. Um, some things that he has, I thought should have been gone like yesterday, <laughs> but to him it has a lot of value. So what is the best way that you recommend um, decluttering in a peaceful way? Yeah, we, we, we had to do this uh, not that long ago with, with our you know, combining households. Uh, when I first met Bex, she had a one-year-old, Ella, who's now four, and, uh, and then living together, we had our own things, right? I had my own stuff, she had her own stuff, Ella had her own stuff, and, and figuring out, like, how are we gonna make this work in, in a space together? It, was, it, it wasn't just like, well, here are the things I think you should get rid of, and now you tell me what things I should get rid of. Although, now that I think about it, that would have been a really interesting, like, <laughs> reality TV show. Uh, I, I think the truth is we have to understand first what adds value to the other pe person's life. Because you said, you know, he has a lot of stuff I think he should get rid of that 
adds value to his life. Does it really? And then if it does, why does it add value? And then if it's a couch and you have a couch and you're like, wow, he really loves that couch and it's great and okay, I can, I can deal with that couch too, then great. You probably don't need two couches and therefore you get rid of one, right? And when you're combining households, it, it, you're, you're, combining a, you're living a life together and it's no longer his life and your life. It is our life, right, under, under this one roof. And you're going to have to figure out how you can, now it sounds like he's partially on board. Like he watched a documentary with you and he's like. He's totally on board. Okay, great, 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 great. <laughs> and, uh, and so he, he's on board, but the, you're going to have to then understand there are some things that you're just like, I have no idea why you want that. But I can respect and appreciate the fact that that is truly valuable to you, at least for now. But also realize it's, it's a season, and sometimes the things that add value today may not add value tomorrow. So that thing you're like, well, why don't you get rid of that? Five years from now, he'd be like, man, I should have gotten rid of this. And so having a conversation about our things, not being judgmental or argumentative or, or even prescriptive, but having a conversation about our things allows us to better understand the people around us. Yeah, I, I, when Mariah and I moved in together, the shoes. <laughs> There were so many shoes. She was so mad he had so many shoes. Oh my God. <laughs> so many pumps and wedges and high heels. Oh my goodness. And sandals. Unbelievable. Um, I never told her she had to get rid of any of her shoes. And I knew uh, when I was moving in with her that we had very, very similar values and beliefs. 96% uh, according to OkCupid. So I, I, I knew that she appreciated me as much as I appreciate her. And yeah, there are certain things she holds on to that I'm like, why do you, hold? I mean, she had like a, a, and I'm all about reference books. In fact, that's the majority of the books I own. It's like stuff I go back and reference. But a dictionary, I'm like, honey, why do you have this dictionary? This is the worst way to look up a word. Like, there's so many other better ways to look up words than in an actual dictionary. And, uh, you know, she was like, well, you know, it's my first dictionary. And, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, we, we've talked about it. You have, you have not decided to let it go. I, I love you. I appreciate you. And I appreciate our differences. I'm just going to let, let her hold on to it. Uh, when we moved out to L.A., she got rid of the dictionary. I didn't ask her to. She just realized, like, yeah, I don't ever open it. If I'm going to look up a word, I certainly don't run to my bookshelf and look at a dictionary <laughs> these days. So uh, I guess what I'll say is, like, j just keep appreciating each other. Keep showing that appreciation. That's, again, that's how you show love is by showing appreciation. And, and, and you two will figure it out. I'll tell you the one other thing that really helps Mariah and I is we have rules uh, that we hold each other account uh, accountable for, like the 90-90 rule. I mean, as soon as that junk drawer starts filling up, um, it's, if it's me or her, like we will, we start just throwing stuff out and I will, you know, go in, uh, and ask her, Hey, here are like, you know, five receipts from something that you've put in here. Do you, do you really need the, or she'll do it to me. Hey, there's some mail sitting in here. Do you still need this mail? So, uh, come up with rules that both of you, uh, agree on and, and show appreciation and you'll, you'll probably have a pretty awesome relationship. Okay. Yeah. Crew? Yeah. Uh, the thing I would say is, if at the end of the day he really sort of examines this thing that you're like, oh, get rid of that, and he's like, no, this, this brings me a lot of value, um, remember that this minimalism thing cuts both ways. So like, yeah, you don't want to be like controlled by all of these things that uh, you own, but at the same time, you don't want to be controlled by all of these things that you like, don't want to own. Right, so you don't want to let that get in your head, like oh, that, that thing. I would be at the apex, the the pinnacle of minimalism, were it not for his old Letterman jacket. You're not uh, the apex until you buy the certificate out in the lobby, by the way. <laughs> so just remembering that, okay, um, you know, I'm sort of unaffected by these possessions. So if it is that important to him. I won't let it affect me, and I can control the things that, that I bring in. Thank you. Thanks. Howdy. Hi. Thank you for waiting. 
Okay, so my husband and I have been married 36 years, and so it's really fun for me to see. Awesome. It's really encouraging for me to hear everybody talking about getting married. I just love that. And um, we've, we started out in a one-bedroom apartment. We had um, you know, an air cooler out of the window, and so now we're in a downtown Austin apartment. But we had to downsize. We started in that small apartment. Then we went to two acres and a barn and three kids and horse and all that, and then now we're back to where we started. I just can't tell you how freeing it is. I mean, it is so awesome. freeing. So we just have experiences instead of things. It's like the, the, the cycle of acquisition and letting go. I mean, there's Absolutely. like this life, life cycle of... I get so many people that will come up to us after the events and they'll say something like, um, you know, the happiest time of my life is when I could fit everything I owned in my car. I'm like, well, if you got rid of a lot of stuff, you could fit everything you own in your car. <laughs> Get right yeah. back to it. And it's really so great. It really is. But um, in my question is that in my generation, I really, I mean, they think we're nuts. They really think we're crazy because we've accumulated all these things. We've spent so much time. We have our kids' things in the house now. We have grandkids. You know, we just need more things. But we are so minimalist that um, really I don't think we've bought anything in two years. We just don't buy anything. We just have experiences. So... My question is, though, do you see yourselves reaching my age group? I hope to make it to be that age. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't mean like, do you see yourselves reaching it? <laughs> I, mean... I know, I'm just, I was just making a bad joke. <laughs> That's my job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ella came up to me the other day and she said, you have bad stepdad jokes. Um, which I don't know if those are like better than just dad jokes. Um, anyway, I, uh, uh, I'll tell you that when our documentary came out, our audience really expanded in terms of demographics. Uh, I mean, we've had a lot of high schoolers show up at our events. We've had, uh, uh, 20, 2014, we had a 93-year-old great-grandmother in San Diego bring several generations of daughters with her. So it was like four generations of daughters. She came up to me afterwards and said, I just want you to know I'm minimizing for the first time in my life. She's 93, 93 years old. And I think that's one of the best things about this message. It, it tends to be uh, appealing to all demographics. You know, I grew up really poor. And, and um, we made bad decisions with the few resources we had growing up. And then when I became wealthy in my 20s, I, I was making really good money, but spending even better money. I was making bad decisions with having more resources, which just compounded the bad decisions. It let me make more bad decisions because then other people will help you make those bad decisions. They're called credit card companies. <laughs> and, um, and, and so what I realized is that like, okay, this message of living more deliberately with the resources we have would have been beneficial to me when I was on one side of the socioeconomic spectrum. And then when I was on the other side, it would have also been beneficial because I could have done something great with all that money that I blew. I could have used to contribute beyond myself. I could have invested in my future self. I could have started a business. I could have done all kinds of things that I didn't do. And I realized, wow, like this message of being more, you don't have to call it minimalism. You can call it intentionalism or essentialism if minimalism is too scary. But, but for me, it was just about taking whatever resources I have and not living a radical lifestyle, but it was a more practical lifestyle. So I, I don't think minimalism or simplifying is, is necessarily for a particular demographic. I think it's for anyone who, is, who has an open mind and is, is dissatisfied with the status quo. I'll tell you, one of my favorite um, experiences we had at one of our stops in 2014, I wish I could remember the city, Josh might, um, but there was a couple who uh, was in the crowd and um, they were asking a question about like, what do I do with all my parents' stuff? Like I have, uh, a, 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 we have parents that, you know, like both sets of parents hold on to so much stuff and like we know down the line it's going to come our way and it's probably going to be soon and they were just really voicing out like how stressed they were feeling about taking over all of their parents' things. The very next question, another couple in the back, older couple, they were like, we are those parents right now. And like, that's why we're here. And it was, and like it really, hearing them tell, their, and, and feeling how stressed they were, like it really helped them realize like what they were doing to their own kids. Um, that, that was like, I mean, just like to watch the light bulbs go off was really, really awesome. But, you know, just to echo Josh's point, like, yeah, we are, 
we're reaching all types of people. I wish I could say like, no, it's just one demographic. It's, it's really all over the place. But yeah, I totally think we're, awesome. we're, we're reaching th- that generation. Can I throw something in even though I'm like two years younger than you guys? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so you mentioned how people that interact with you, like they're like, oh my gosh, you guys are crazy. Um, you might be a part of that process where more and more people see it. And I would say um, when, they, when they talk about like, how could you do that? Maybe talk about the, the things that have made this a rewarding decision for you. And, uh, and, and look to see, like, are they at all you know, suffering from some of the things that you were? And if they can start to see the benefit and maybe feel the pain, because sometimes pain is a good activator, they may be able to sort of gradually make the same decision you did. And that's, you know, I look at some of the changes I've made in my life and I'm like, man, how could I help other people make this change? Because like, they're so far off the other way. And then I'm like, homie, you ain't that special. Like, <laughs> you, you made these changes and you were way over there. It just may be that uh, you don't remember all the steps that it took to get you here. And so just being patient with them and kind of sharing your story, I think could be, uh, maybe even more effective than, like I'm 34, more effective than something I could do, you guys are like 36, right? But they have like minimalists.org, like where you can meet people, bring them in, and then they spread the word. And that's how these things work with the, the interwebs, I think. I, I just did a, 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 a Instagram live for the first time ever, I didn't even know how it worked, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, well thank you. Thank you so much you. for the question. And uh, bef- before we get out there, though, I want to thank a few folks. How about thanking the Stateside Theater here tonight? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. You all sold this out like three, two or three months in advance, it feels like, so we'll have to get a bigger place next time we come to Austin. And I want to thank Crew Spence for being up here. You can find him online, uh, SpartanPlan.com. He's also at Crew Spence on all the social medias. Crew, thank you for being here tonight, brother. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you. And hiding in the shadows in the back, always lurking. He's behind you wherever you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the man behind the minimalism podcast, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, he helps out with everything. He's our, our tour bus driver, our um, uh, tour planner, our podcast producer, our editor, our book editor, and an all-around outstanding guy. Thank you, Sean. And most important, I want to thank you all for being here tonight. You, you spent some money to be here, and we really appreciate that. It allows us to have a, a theater and security to keep Ryan away from me while we're back in the green room. And, um, and the staff, we pay for them, we pay, we're able to pay for Jess, and we're able to pay for Sean and, and a bunch of other folks. And uh, we're grateful for that. But you also give up your time and your attention. Those are your two most precious resources, and we're grateful for that. And if you leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thank you so much, Austin. Thank you very much.